Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. Got to hang out with, uh, with, with Luke and Jordan today. Uh, I enjoyed speaking to Jordan uh, because, one, he's got a great name. And uh, uh, let me show you my family. And I, this is my family. They're up somewhere. There you go. That's, uh, that's, that's me on the left, in case you're wondering. And uh, that's my wife, Jana. She's a pastor, a remedial massage therapist, a naturopath, and a cutie. So uh, I just think I've done very well. They're my two boys. Uh, mullet on the left is Jackson, and uh, Man Bun on the right is Jordan, living my hair dreams through them. And uh, my parents hate them, not my kids, the hair. But uh, uh, that oldest there, I was taught that my oldest is Jackson. And uh, when he was about three years old, and we just, that three and a half, and my youngest Jordan was about two weeks old. I took him out to a trampoline. And uh, if you know where this is going, Jordan understands. And uh, I double bounced my oldest son, Jackson, and I broke his leg. And I felt pretty bad about that for about 12 years. And then I met Jordan, found out he's a dud dad too, and he's done the same thing to his kid. And, uh, and like, you know, like misery loves company, feels pretty good right now. So that's my, that's my family. Uh, the person that's not up there, uh, uh, Pastor Jared, we have another kid. I'm 42 next week and I'm done. And, uh, but my wife and I decided rather than having a kid, another kid, we would have a, we'd get a dog. And, and she actually, if she was here, she'd be showing you the dog and then showing the family. She loves the dog. I hate our dog. His name is Buddy. Don't judge. Uh, if you met him, you'd hate him. I don't know why I called him Buddy. He's not my buddy. Uh, I'm going to get distracted. We'll have to cut this off. But seriously, the other day, uh, let me quickly tell you a story. It's pretty funny. The other day, like, we're not having more kids. We just wish we had one less dog and nearly did. I was at the gym and Sean's rang me and said, there's been an emergency with Buddy. And I'm like, oh, God is good. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I was saying, saying, what is it? And she's like, she's like, uh, Buddy was taking Buddy for a walk and he got stung on the nose by a bee and he vomited three times, pooped and collapsed. And, and um, yeah, whatever. And uh, he, is, he sleeps on our bed, he rips up our carpet. He, and so she said, you need to come home. So I'm driving thinking this is the moment where he goes to the big kennel in the sky. And uh, she's like, I said, take him to the vet. So she took him to the vet and the vet was shut. And so the vet said, you've got to take him to an, a, 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 an, an emergency veterinarian hospital, uh, which if you've never been to one, basically means you walk in, you put your kidney on the counter and that's how you pay. And uh, so expensive. And so I went in and none of this is part of the message, but anyway, and uh, you prophesied something that was not true. So we're going to go all night. And, uh, and so I, she's like, you got to take him to this emergency vet hospital. So I walk in and I, say, and I said, Rangshan's on the way and said, babe, what's the number? And she's like, what's the number? And I was like, the number before we like, you know, how much are we willing to spend before? She's like, I can't choose a number. So I said, fine, it's $500. And uh, she went in and I uh, went to the veterinarian and, and said, like, you know, this is what's happened, kidney and all that. And she's like, okay, we'll give him some injections. And I'm like, do you reckon he needs to like... She's like, what do you mean? You know, the kennel. And she's like, Mr. Greenwood, it's a bee sting. I'm like, could have been a killer wasp. And... Uh, <laughs> So no word of a lie, she takes him out, gives him some needles, comes back out and says, it's $490. (laughs) 
I vomited three times, pooped and collapsed. (laughs) So we're not having kids and we don't want another dog. Holy Spirit, come back. Amen. Let's get into this. John chapter 15, we'll put it up on the screen. Says this, this is Jesus talking. Jesus says, I am the, say with me, true grapevine. And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce Fruit, And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. Verse 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. And you will produce much fruit. Everyone say much fruit. You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. You didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. So my Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is promise from God that when you abide in Christ and He abides in you, you will not only have fruit, He says you have fruit, more fruit, much fruit and lasting fruit. Amen. You might have been here for a little bit, for a while and you've seen a fruitful season. Let me tell you, forgetting the former things don't dwell in the past. Behold, He does a new things. There's a more fruit season coming. If you've seen more fruit, there's much fruit. And if you've been doing life with Christ for a long time and maybe you're just thinking it's the next generation's turn. Maybe you've done a lot of life in this church and other churches and you're just cheering. Let me tell you, God's not finished with you yet because there's fruit, more fruit, much fruit and lasting fruit in Jesus' Name, Amen. says, He's the vine and we're the branches. So we abide in Him, there'll be fruit, but what's the fruit? And I think this fruit just has to be more than us being better or smarter or quicker or richer or taller, six foot five, than anyone else. Has to be more than just I'm ahead of the person that's sitting next to me. I mean, we're so, we're often putting in our kids and trying just to get every, get ourselves to be ahead. I remember my boy would just started school. I just wanted him to be the best at sport, and uh, and you know, as I'm I'm a short guy. Is there any short people here today? Can't see you too short. And uh, <laughs> some advantages to being short, with the last to get rained on. Hide and seek, we can hide in Tupperware. We can ride on cats. And uh, I remember him going to his sports day and saying to him on his sports day, Jackson, Greenwoods were little, but man, we can run quick. And I'll tell you what, Jackson, an important lesson. Second place is the first loser. Uh, no one remembers the guy that comes second. That was my advice. So then I got him ready, gave him some Gatorade, gave him 24 Weet-Bix and sent him out to run his race. And my little boy with his little legs ran as fast as he could. And I'll tell you, at the end, he got second. And I was pumped. I'm like, my boy's incredible. He got second. And he was all deflated. And I said to him, Jackson, what's wrong with you? And he said, I'm the loser that no one will remember. I'm like, who told you that? He said, you did. Just as his mum walked up. I'm like, who wants McDonald's? But from the beginning, we're taught, unless you're winning, unless you're ahead of someone else, you're not actually doing well. What's the fruit? Surely it's got to be more than we're just more successful than the person next to me. Jesus shows us what the fruit is, more fruit, much fruit and lasting fruit that happens when you abide with Him. He says in verse 11, I've told you these things so that you will put on the screen, you'll be, say it with me, filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. The, the, The fruit of remaining with Christ, no matter how long you've been following, in Jesus, no matter what your financial circumstances are like, no matter what's going on or what title you have or don't have, is that you can be filled with His joy. The result of following Jesus is we should be overflowing with joy. The undeniable characteristic of someone that follows Jesus Christ is they should be filled with the fruit of joy. I mean, there are so many intense Christians out there. 
Have you ever met an intense Christian, Pastor Jared? Seen him in worship at the Buster Vein? Like, have you ever had someone pray for you? An intense prayer? I mean, they're spitting all over you. They're intense. I've taken a fake dive just to get out of that prayer. Uh, yeah, the person that's an intense witness. Uh, I tell you, no one's following that person. I tell you, the difference between an intense Christian and a passionate person and a passionate Christian is the intense Christian just lost their joy. And they've gone from being passionate to intense. And, and we, we, we were never meant to be intense people. We say, he endured the cross, Hebrews 12 tells us. Hey, that sounds like he endured it. Not just he endured it. You're not meant to endure your devotions or just endure the tough times. But it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It's because even in the difficulty and pain, Jesus still had joy that was found in you. This is why David said in Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of your salvation. This is why when we see the church in Acts chapter 13, the characteristics of the church is the church was filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. He is the giver of joy, the fullness of joy. What goes from His vine to my branches, what goes from Christ into your life should be joy, amen? So why do we often not have it? Well, there's clues all the way through this passage as Jesus is talking. So as we go to verse one, what does Jesus say? Put it on the screen. He says, I am the, say that word again. He says, I am the true grapevine, which means there'll be imitation grapevines, which means there will be other sources of joy and happiness in your life that will try to take the place of Christ, but it actually won't leave you with joy. It will leave you feeling more empty. Like I'm not sure what we're going to eat afterwards. It's about 10 o'clock at Adelaide, so I'm pretty hungry. But when we go to eat something afterwards, I'm sure it's going to be nice, but it probably won't be Hungry Jack's. But if you're ever on the way home and you suddenly desire a Whopper and you feel like tea's waiting for me, but I eat a Whopper, the problem with it is as you eat it, it tastes pretty good. But afterwards, you're no longer hungry, but you wouldn't say you're satisfied. And it's the same when we need just a drink to take the edge off or an, another quick hookup or, or maybe it's what we're finding on social media or maybe it's on Netflix or maybe it's in friendships or maybe it's in the job that you get or the next holiday you take. We eat it and consume it trying to find joy and all we're actually finding is a small measure of happiness and if we're honest, it doesn't make me more hungry for the things of God yet it leaves me totally unsatisfied. You see, your success in achieving joy will only be as good as the vine that you're attached to and there are imitation vines that you may be attached to and you may be living your life and you may not even know what you're doing in church tonight. You may not know what's been, why you're sitting here except something compelled you to be here because tonight you need to hear those imitation grapevines, those people, those relationships, those jobs, those things, those material possessions. While they're not all bad, they're not true. The only true grapevine that sets you free and gives you a joy unspeakable in the good and the difficult seasons is Jesus. Amen? See, you gotta know, Jesus never wanted you to have a religious experience, which is why He came to bring joy. And this is never more evident than at the, His very first miracle at the wedding at Cana. See, a wedding is a picture of the church. It's a picture of the bride and groom. It's the, us, the bride, the church, and the groom, Jesus, coming together. And Jesus' ministry is bookended with two weddings, the wedding at Cana and the wedding supper at the Lamb when we're with Him at the very end of time. Uh, Jesus wanted to, from the very beginning, do a miracle that not just pointed to that wedding, but pointed to you and I in the church. So to see what Jesus is doing, let's go back to the clue we saw in John chapter 15, verse 1, when He says, I am the true, now say the next word, grapevine. So he uses a picture to show what kind of fruit we're going to have and that fruit is 
grapes. And for Bible times, grapes were primarily used for making wine. And for the Jewish people in their language and typology, we would often see pictures of things in real life that had more meaning when it came to the kingdom and God. And whenever you see a good version of wine in the Bible, wine always points the Jewish people to joy. So Jesus goes to a wedding, a picture of the church, and they've run out of wine. And to run out of wine means that they've run out of joy. And when Jesus came and saw the religious leaders of the day and the people that were trying to follow Him, they got so used to doing their religious attendance and practices, they'd actually lost their joy. So He goes to a wedding to show a picture of the church to say, it's time the church got its joy back. Amen? Amen. So you never survive if you don't have joy. Nehemiah tells me that the joy of the Lord is my strength. What food is to a body and fuel is to a car, joy is to your spirit. In, in 2019, a bit embarrassing, I ran out of fuel nine times in one year. No exaggeration. This is a true story. Nine times. I had to call a different friend every time because it was so embarrassing. That turns out they're all gossips because everyone knew. And, uh, but what I would do is I would jump in the car and I would be always running from thing to thing to thing to thing that I would just hope that the fuel in the car got me to the next destination. And, uh, and uh, the last time I ran out of fuel, I remember where I was. Uh, I pulled over, had no choice, and I got out and I was sick to teeth with the devil. And I put my hand on the fuel tank and I rebuked Satan. And God spoke to me. Do you know what he said? Josh, you're an idiot. (laughs) Put some fuel in your car. But this is what too many Christians do. They run from moment to moment, service to service, crisis to crisis, thing to thing, hoping that the joy and the fuel from the last season just gets them there. Every time someone got in my car, they would sit in the passenger seat and look across at the tank. I mean, people were bringing jerry cans in my holding because they didn't know if I was going to make the journey. And if I can, in love, there's some people that aren't coming with you and sitting in the seat next to you because they're not seeing your life filled with joy and they're wondering if you're going to make the journey. Can I tell you, when the joy of the Lord is your strength, whether it's a good time or a tough time, people believe you're going to make it because even when nothing's going to plan, when you've got joy, people follow you. So what does Jesus do? Jesus does something excessive. He does something so over the top because He's not making a point just about a wedding. He's not just after another good natural party. He's pointing to the church and He wants to do something so over the top, we would never be the same, amen? Because wine points to more than wine. It points to joy. So it goes on, verse six. I'm gonna do some maths. Nearby stood six, everyone say six, six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. Watch this, in parallels John 15. So they filled them to the brim. Yes, your joy will be filled to the brim. It will overflow. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted that the water had been turned to wine and said, why did you leave the best wine for last? So let's do some numbers. When you take the gallons and the sizes and the number of jars, there were six of them, each holding 20 to 30 gallons, and you convert them to litres and then put that measurement into the average size wine bottle today. Jesus had right there the potential to make in excess of 800 bottles of wine. Have you ever been to a wedding with 800 bottles of wine? Could you imagine somewhere after the speeches? 800 bottles of wine? Could you imagine the singing? 
Could you imagine the dancing? Could you imagine the statements of love that would have been expressed? And we, as some of us Christians, struggle with this because we're like, not my Jesus, He's a conservative Jesus. He would never do anything over the top. This is the Jesus that said that, that my grace is not just enough, my grace is sufficient. This is the one that when they said, do I forgive seven times? He says, no, he forgives 70 times seven. This is the one that doesn't allow you just to overcome. He makes you more than a conqueror. This is the one that doesn't just give you joy. He gives you joy unspeakable. He's making a point. It's not about alcohol. It's not about wine. It's a picture of the church. He wants his church and his people to get their joy back. Amen. Which is why when the Spirit of God comes in Acts chapter 2 at 9 in the morning, they were so filled with life and possibility that even though they too would be persecuted, they were uncertain about their future. They didn't know what was coming around the corner, yet they were accused of being drunk at nine in the morning because they had no other way of explaining the joy unspeakable that comes upon you when you're filled with the love of Jesus and anointed with the Holy Spirit. They hadn't touched a drop of wine. They just got their joy back. Amen. He's making a point. No one's going to match this marriage because there's going to be imitation grapevines. There's going to be a relationship you're trying to find your joy in, but it doesn't bring you joy. And there's going to be work situations and life possibilities that you're hoping turn things around. But none of that will match that joy that Jesus gives you. I mean, there would have been other weddings and they would have been nice. Could you imagine as they're dancing, they're like, this is good, but do you remember the wedding that Jesus turned up to? Because the point is when you come in here, and if you're here for the first time and you're wondering, what is it? It's not just hype, it's not just atmosphere, it's not just lights, it's not just music, but there's something that wherever you go, you remember what it's like to be in the presence of God and nothing was meant to compare, amen? Amen. This was His plan, it was your joy that between jobs and in between healings and in between provision and in between young person knowing where you are now, not knowing where you're going in the future, yet each step of the way trusting God, a little bit anxious, a little bit worried, a little bit concerned, you can have this joy, that's the strength and the fuel that gets you to where God has for you. The truth is we all take the hits and we all get weary and we all get tired and it's in those moments if we're honest we lose our joy. And so simply this today if life has been weary and too heavy to take and if you're living in uncertainty and facing the unknown and if you're in between that time of receiving your promise and receiving your healing. And if you've yet to see His hand provide for you in the way you've been believing for, if you've been giving out and carrying other people's burdens and life gets loud with the things that don't matter, when you lose your one-to and you're living in your have-to, you get weary of life. When you get weary from life, you don't get weary of life. And you'll get weary from serving, but don't get weary of serving. And you'll get weary from waiting. It's okay, Jesus got weary and he sat by a well. He chose to find a source of living water. Because you never get weary of ministry. And you get weary from relationships and you get weary from marriage, but don't get weary of friendships and of marriage. So Jesus makes it clear, if you're gonna have joy, more joy, much joy and lasting joy. And he says there'll be imitation grapevines. He has to give us the answer for what we're to do to receive it. And he makes it really simple all the way through. He says in verse four, John 15, he says, remain in me 
and I will remain in you. It says, those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you. See, that word remain is the word for abide. It doesn't mean to work harder and, and strive more diligently and try with every bit of your might. The answer will never be found in what you're doing to receive your joy. The answer for finding your joy is actually being still. It's remaining and waiting and resting and savouring and knowing. And it's in there you begin in your spirit to start possessing and enjoying because it's meant to be a marriage, like a new wedding, a new marriage, a marriage that's good. So life has its cutbacks, but they're not setbacks. They'll be pruning. Remain. And when he comes and prunes and takes you through seasons of waiting and in between so that he can get you from fruit to more fruit and more fruit to much fruit and much fruit to lasting fruit, because he's good, he prunes. They're not cut-offs. See, no one wants to be pruned, but this is why there's an oil of joy for mourning. That weeping lasts for the night, but joy comes in the morning. That it's in that time, I don't have to run and I don't have to strive, but it's there. I actually have to get on the edge of my toes and wait. The keys can come. Isaiah 40 says it this way. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. What gives us strength? The joy of the Lord is my strength. Because it never says you have to enjoy it. And it doesn't say just endure it. It says, if you don't run, if you don't leave, if you don't quit, that even though you don't know where to turn, you don't know what's coming around the next corner and you don't know what comes next and you don't know what to do, it just says, wait, remain. You might be here today and you're weary and you're tired. I want to tell you that's okay. Let's look at the full verse for a moment as we get near the end. It says this, have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, watch this, He neither faints nor is weary. Because when you're weary, it's okay. He's not. He underst- his understanding is unsearchable. And He gives power to the weak because it's okay if you're weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. And it's okay, even the youth shall faint and be weary. If you're young here and you're weary and tired and done with some things in life, it's okay. And the young men shall utterly fall. Have you messed it up and beaten yourself up? It's okay. He's got joy. He says, but those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The very key to getting your strength back, the joy, that like food to a body and fuel to a car, joy to your spirit, the very thing that gets you from where you are to where God's got for you is found not in harder work, not in striving more, not in proving yourself, not in more religious activity. It's getting with God and abiding, remaining, waiting and being still. See, let me show you quickly. That word wait doesn't mean to check out. It doesn't mean to sit on the bench and say, right, God, I'm waiting. When you're ready, you come and find me. It's not what it means. It doesn't mean I'm taking a break. Find that in the Bible. It says wait. It's the word quavar in the Hebrew. What it means is to get on the edge of your toes. It doesn't mean to run yet. 
It means to get an eager, ready expectation because hope is about to appear. You see, there's a posture to waiting. It's not leaning back and saying, God, come and find me. It's an expectation that something is about to happen. So now let me bring it back to my dog, buddy. Because my... Is anyone here a cat person? We're going to have an altar call for you after. And the thing about cats, God bless you, is that when you disappoint your cat, do you know what your cat does? It jumps the fence and goes to another owner. When you don't feed the cat when the cat wants to be fed, when you don't rub the cat when the cat wants to be rubbed. This is the thing with the cat, I found. Cats think they are the master and we are the pet. And they don't like it, they go on Facebook and complain about you. They're, they're, it's cats. But there's this thing I found about Buddy. As much as he gets it wrong and tears up my carpet and pees on the floor and sleeps on my bed, there's one thing about my dog is he knows who the master is. And every day he quivers. <laughs> and he's waiting by the front door. I'm taking longer than he wanted me to. I haven't turned up yet. I haven't fed him yet. I haven't rubbed him yet. I haven't given him one. <laughs> Who's my master? It's the postman focus, buddy! <laughs> and what does he do? He doesn't go out and find me. He doesn't go find another imitation grapevine. He knows that the master is coming home. And he waits. He gets on the edge of his toes because hope is about to appear. I'll tell you today, there are pruning seasons and there are in-between seasons and there are frustrating, disappointing seasons. Don't quit, don't run, don't leave, don't hide because God is good. And when you remain in Him and He remains in you, a fresh outpouring of joy. So Jesus, we see Jesus call it new wine. He said about Acts chapter 2, about the new wine of the Holy Spirit. He said in Acts chapter 1, sorry, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Get on the edge of your toes. Quava. He said, wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised, saturated, soaked with the Holy Spirit. And you'll receive power, strength, joy when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen. I don't have to ask today if you're weary. In some way, most of us are. I don't know if you're waiting for a miracle or promise, I can tell you I sure am. And too often I try to work it out and solve it myself, but I have to remind myself to do the very simple thing that is so difficult for me to do, who is a control freak and wanting to work it all out myself, just to get on the edge of my toes, get in the presence of the Holy Spirit wait for strength to come back. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. 
God bless and have a great week.